Welcome back to Real Estate Happening, your go-to podcast for all things real estate. This week, we're discussing entrepreneurship and the makeup industry and all things women business. Gentry Kelly here with us today. Are you ready? I'm ready. I didn't realize how long we've known each other. Since probably 2013, 14? I started NAN in 2014. Okay. You hadn't started yet, so it was before that. Yes, for sure. Because I started in 2011. Okay. And it was the Mommy Series, I believe, and Brandy. So I think that's how we met. Yeah. Was through Brandy. Yes. You guys were working at Neiman's Days, Mm -hmm. and I was an assistant across the street with my old brokerage, and I used to come see her. Okay. And then one day she was like, your makeup looks like shit. Let's get Gentry (laughs) to fix it. And I think that's how we met. That's so funny. Well, Brainy's an amazing makeup artist. I don't know why she was referring to me. She was just like, you need that natural. I I forgot what counter you were in. I was at uh, Bobby Brown for a long time. That's what it was. And and Laura Mercier. Okay. She was like, you need that Laura Mercier glow. Yeah. So I think that's how. We ended up meeting and just crossing paths after that. Yep. And I believe you guys went to high school together or something, right? I have known her since I was 15 years old. Okay. So a long time. I was in her wedding. Oh, okay. Um, first husband. <laughs> so it's just crazy how time flies. Yep. Now that I think that I knew her since I was 15 years old. Tell me your story. So I have been a makeup artist now. I lost count because I'm post 40 and you just stop counting at that point. I think it's been 27 years, uh, started in modeling school. So I was a really big tomboy growing up. I wanted nothing to do with anything girly, like brushing my hair or taking a bath or dolls. That was just never interesting to me. And my mom, coincidentally enough, owned a beauty salon where they did hair, nails, tanning, all that stuff. And she just wanted a little girl, but she got a little boy. I would only wear a little boy's clothes, literally would not shower. She finally just said, listen, I'm not going to make you take a shower. You'll just be the stinky kid in class. And I went seven days without a bath. So that's the longest I've been without a bath. Anywho, uh, she took me to modeling school, Paige Parks. And she said, you need to learn some etiquette and like how to act like a lady. So I did that. And then on the 13th week, there was a makeup tutorial. And it was the first time that I'd ever felt pretty. I always had rosacea, really fair, really, really skinny. I couldn't gain weight. Never felt pretty. I was just like one of the guys, right? So after painting my face, I was like, ah, this this is nice. I like this. (laughs) So I started um, asking some of the other girls, can I play with your face? And I would do their makeup and um, one thing led to the next. So when I turned 18, I got a job professionally doing makeup. What does your mom say now? Well, she actually passed away two years ago. Um, She was really proud of what I'd become because she never ever thought she would get me out of that tomboy stage, like of catching Mm -hmm. frogs and riding bikes and getting lost in the woods. I think she, you know, gave herself credit for (laughs) putting me in that modeling school, which led me to um, where I'm at today. You were always so open Mm -hmm. about everything that you were going through. And a lot of women, you know, don't like to overshare or I think not even overshare. Most of the time is, and I'm guilty of this, is being judged. Like, Mm -hmm. what are they going to say? What are they going to think? But I used to be like that. I used to really care. I was actually, shockingly, you know, who I am today and who I was 20 years ago, and I'm sure this is probably one of the questions you're going to ask anyway, is how have you changed Um, Mm -hmm. As a person, I'm not even close to the same human that I was. I was bullied when I was 13, just like most of us, by a boy that was in my grade. I felt very insecure about myself. I was really ugly, so he was right when he would tell me how ugly I was. It was really ugly. I need to see pictures. I don't believe it. It's bad. I had, you know, one bang down the center. Um, But I didn't have any confidence at all. And I was so worried about what other people thought of me. I really cared that that particular boy, who was not attractive, would tell me that I was ugly every day. And I really felt that for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't, like, stand up for what I believed in, right? I was kind of like a pushover, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Always wanted to be liked, just like most humans do. Right. 
And as I got older in my 20s, it, it got a little better. I started feeling prettier, right? So that comes with a little bit more confidence when you feel pretty, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I turned 29, 30 and started my business and saw that it was successful, that gave me some more confidence, right? Mm -hmm. So when you put your mind to something and you see it's working and you're, you know, the way other people look at you starts to change, I think that helps build your confidence. And then I started caring less about what other people thought and started being more of me, but was always buried so deep inside of me and I was scared to let people see, unless you were close to me, who I really am. Then I felt like the more I was posting and the more raw and real I was and more uncovered that I mm -hmm. was, the more confidence it gave me to make fun of myself, to post the ugliest picture of myself. Because back then, people did not post on social media no. themselves without makeup and hair. They didn't. No. Now you see more of that, but I didn't. And I right. would post before and afters of myself with no makeup on, and people would say, wow, look at that. I'm like, bitch, sit down. <laughs> it ain't that bad. <laughs> But, um, but anyways, it just gave me more confidence being more and more myself. You know, I've kind of reeled back on that um, due to a comment that someone made to me about a year ago. I've kind of, I kind of shut off, but I'm trying to open myself back up more um, and be more of myself because I feel like that's what made me so relatable to my followers was being the real version of me. For sure. Even when times got hard or bad, I still was me. It's you. And that, again, that's so important to share for other women to hear that it's okay to be you. One thing that I did, and I don't know how you feel about this, there was a phase where everybody was using the filters, right? Mm -hmm. To put the filter on Instagram, for example. And or blur your nose. Yes. Or, <laughs> you, you know, I, I saw the, a video, I think it was Giselle, she's a social media mm -hmm. coach, and she posted about it, and it was like a light bulb just lit up in my head. Mm -hmm. How do you post a filter on your face and fix your pictures a certain way and then you show up to meet someone or you look in the mirror and you're like holy shit I and don't. you know a lot of realtors are very very guilty of that on oh, hr oh my god they're not updating their photos the picture from when they were 20 yes. and they're 60 uh -huh. yes but it's true and it's just and after i saw that video mm -hmm. i was like this is it no more filters mm -hmm. i need to be me and we oh, were, I filter. Don't let it fool you. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to see the real wrinkles. I honestly did stop using filters on my stories, mm -hmm. and I just turned the phone around. At least yeah. it gives me a better angle. We yeah, can yeah. play with the angles. <laughs> but, you know, it was important for me to do because I have a daughter, yeah. and we have a different purpose when you have yeah. a daughter because they're looking up to you, and they see that confidence. Mm -hmm. Camila talks back all the time, but, you know, it's her confidence level. What she's saying is not being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. She's making a point. And it's so important for me as her mom, as her leader, to teach her that it's okay to have a voice. And, you know, and I feel like at least for, I don't know if this happened to you, but I feel like women in my age group, you were told to shush mm -hmm. or ladies don't speak like that. You know, you asked me if you could cuss. I still before. get that from my, from my publicist a lot. <laughs> Oh, well, so do I, but you know what I mean? You need to take that down. You know, but I try to be more authentic and real, and sometimes I get a little overboard with being too real and a little offensive because, you know, this is the world we live in where yeah. everybody gets easily offended. But mm -hmm. So I do. I'll delete it if I get in trouble. <laughs> Slanging makeup out of your trunk. Tell me about that story. I didn't have any money to start this business, okay? I had less than $2,000 in my bank account. And I spent all of my money <laughs> for a last minute flight and hotel room in New York where I met my first manufacturer. Okay. You know, I worked for Bobby Brown and Laura Mercier and I kind of had an idea of how this stuff was made. Mm -hmm. I think with the internet now and social media, people are learning more and more. But I thought you had to have tens of millions of dollars to start a makeup line. Um, but I quickly learned that you did not. So I flew out to uh, Soho, New York, and then drove to Soho and uh, went to a makeup manufacturer open house. 
And so I was there for eight hours, picked out the basics. I wanted to start with lipsticks, said I don't have any money. So how do I do this? Do you take credit cards? I said, yes, we do. And before I knew it, I had maxed out my American Express card with $35,000. Wow. So I didn't have a storefront. I didn't have a website. Like I was just starting this without a business plan. And I went to school to learn how to write a business plan so I could have a plan and be prepared. I don't work on a plan. You said earlier, (laughs) all business owners have a plan. I don't have a plan. I wing it. (laughs) Wow. Moment by moment. That's just kind of how I do my life. If I think if I plan too much, I talk myself out of things. So I knew that if I wrote a business plan and I knew how much it was really going to cost from the beginning, then I wouldn't do it. So I started with that and I made a commitment to myself. I said, I'm not going to pay myself. And for every tube of lipstick that I sell with that profit, I'm going to buy two more and I'm going to build my inventory that way. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, you know, creating a website with one of those website platforms that you could do. It was very inexpensive to do that. You pay a monthly fee. And back then, like, these things were just starting to come out. All these things were very new. Now everyone can start, start a website. So I did that, and I said, okay, I have to sell this stuff. I'm not in a store. What am I going to do? So I went to Facebook and just posted about it. I said, hey, I need to sell this makeup. <laughs> mm-hmm. Will y'all support me? And I had a launch party, and 200 people showed up. Wow. And we sold $10,000 in cosmetics. From that point on, still was not in a store. I had to sell it some way. Mm -hmm. So I would go to people's houses. I would bring it in the trunk of my car. Like a Compton watch dealer, I'd pop my trunk, be like, what do you want, lady? Oh, my God. And I literally met people in the Home Depot parking lot, no joke. They're like, hey, I need some of the gloss. Can you ship it to me? I didn't have shipping software, or I wasn't really set up for that. I was going to the United States Post Office and standing in line at one of those little booths to buy stamps one at a time to ship these people's orders. So it was easier for me just to meet them somewhere in a parking lot. Mm -hmm. So that's the the trunk story, literally, slanging the makeup out of the trunk of my car. And it was about eight to nine months later, I finally got in my first retail store. Eight months later? About eight months later. So I did that, doing these home parties, going and doing one-on-one makeup lessons. That's fast. Things like that. I feel like if I, if I would have tried a little bit harder, I probably could have got into stores earlier, but I kind of felt like, well, I wasn't confident it was going to work out yet. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to embarrass myself or put somebody else in a bad position. So when this one store reached out to me, they were like, do you want to do consignment? And I was like thinking, I know what consignment is. I had consigned clothing to a mm-hmm. resale shop. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that because all my inventory will be in your store. And if you're not selling it, I can't sell it. And I don't get paid until you sell it. Right. How would I manage that inventory? Right. So I decided against that. So finally, they just said, you know what? Here's a key. Our home is your home. They saw how much business and traffic I was bringing into their store. Right. And they were like, you can just be here rent free. So that went along for about five years. And I think uh, probably by the fourth or fifth year, I was in 17 retail locations uh, nationwide. That's so crazy to me. Inventorying all the stuff out of my house. And then some of the things at a storage unit over there off of like Westland, and 59 over by the River Oaks Hospital, I had a huge warehouse unit, and I couldn't even get the door down. There was so much stuff in there, and I was like, okay, i got to do something else. And that's when I bought my first commercial property, the house, everything. How big was your team when you first started? Was it just a one-man show? Yeah, in the beginning, I did it all by myself, and I just had freelancers. So okay. I had people, like even Brandy helped me. Um, Jadoni, I had some makeup artist friends that I had worked with at Neiman's. I would pay them like an hourly rate just to come help me do these like night parties or like my launch party. They worked for almost nothing. <laughs> I paid them each $50 Wow. <laughs> um, to come, but they just wanted to help and be a part of something. Or if we had like a you know, big batch of stuff come in, I would do labeling parties at my house because the stuff comes and, you know, final assembly would happen through me. And then I would cook like a big pot of Alfredo and then everybody would come over and label makeup all night. So wow. we just made it something kind of fun to do together. So Yeah. 
I love that. So you mentioned your commercial real estate mm -hmm. space. Let's talk about that because I know that there's a lot of real estate transactions that you and your husband, Sean, do mm -hmm. now. Tell me a little bit about that and how that got started. So that's actually how I met Sean. So funny enough, 14, 15 years ago. So this was right after, right before Hurricane Ike, actually. Mm -hmm. I met him and I met him through friends and I remember like really connecting with him and I was engaged at the time. Mm-hmm to someone totally different. Okay, not, not I did not right know for that. me. Yeah, this is the guy that I shit on his white carpet. Have you heard that story? I did not. I don't know. How everyone on social media has heard that story. How do I not know this story? <laughs> it's saved in a story highlight. And if you ever need a good belly laugh, you can just go watch one of those little surgery bubbles. And I tell it in there while I'm high on pain pills after my body lift. Okay. <laughs> Somebody okay. egged me on to tell it. It's a really good story. Okay. Um, having a bad day. It'll make your day bright. Um, anywho, so I was engaged to him at the time. And I was actually with his friends. And Sean was a friend of a friend. And uh, I remember meeting him. And I'm like, here I am with this, like, old dude we have nothing in common with and mm -hmm. we're not getting along. Our relationship was not going well, but I was willing to stick it out even though he had a lot of mental health issues that was, you know, being pushed onto me. Long story short, I was looking to get a loan on some raw land. And as you know, um, there's no 5% or 20% down on raw land. It's 50%. I don't know what it is today, but this is 14, 15 years ago. It's definitely gotten a lot better. And I wanted to build my first spec home because I was flipping houses at that time. I just bought my first property for $69,000. Oh, Remember the good, the good days? Old days? Yeah, 2007, <laughs> yes. where everybody was foreclosing. Yes. Yeah. I got a really good deal on this like eBay of, web, of houses. Mm -hmm. And so I was working on that one, ready to do a spec home. Um, couldn't get the loan for the land because I didn't have whatever the land cost, 50% of that. And so he's like, I have a bank that will. And so we connected through Facebook, actually, or maybe even MySpace. I can't even remember. It was so long oh, ago. Oh, wow. MySpace. And, uh, I think it might have been MySpace, actually. And then he passed me the phone number. Nothing happened. And I ran into him, you know, four months later. Um, but that's how I got started. And that's how I got my, my land loan for that um, was through a connection that Sean made because he already had relationships with banks because he was flipping houses, too. So mm -hmm. that was our common factor there. And so, um, anyway, so four months later, we ended up dating and been together for 14 years off and on. We had a couple of little breaks along the way. Um, but anywho, so I used to manage some of his properties because he owned a supplement business. You know, he wasn't doing the hands-on stuff anymore. So I would go kind of manage some of the jobs to make sure the, the work was, you know, staying on top of the work. And so I already knew about that act, acting as a general contractor. And then when I got my own building, I didn't really feel comfortable doing that all my own because it was bad. My current Houston Central location was really? like, it was, it looked like a Mexican prison. Oh my gosh. It had bars, like <laughs> 10 foot bars with holes in the floor. I'm uh -huh. like, this is what it's like when you go to jail in Mexico. So behave. Oh, wow. Um, but it was really bad. So I needed a general contractor to help. So it's a guy that Sean partners with sometimes, um, McDaniel Custom Homes. So I don't know if you know who that is, but he um, helped me get through that project and then um, got my second location during COVID. That was a blast. Oh, COVID. Wow. I that knew, was brave. I knew I needed to expand because we bought that building in July 2017, moved in October 2017. Um, about two years later, customers were saying, listen, I can't find a space to spark, park in your parking lot. So I'm bailing. I'm just going to order online. And I was like, no, I don't want to lose business because there's no place to park. Um, so anyway, so he was, Sean had found a building. He was looking on LoopNet and he found something on the west side of town. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is too far. Anything past the Beltway, my customers will not. They call that East San Antonio. We're not going that far. Yes. He's like, trust me, there's a lot of neighborhoods over here. I had no idea that Nottingham Forest even existed. I had no idea that Kirkwood, Derry Ashford, I had no idea there was neighborhoods back there. And so he found it end of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, I had that full surgery January 2020. 
and we signed the offer just days before I went into surgery. And then commercial loans, SBA, you know, they just, just take a little bit longer. So March 18th happens mm-hmm. when the whole world shut down. Oh, yes. And SBA says, we're closing off. I don't know what they call it, dockets, whatever. And if you want us to issue a loan number, we can. And if you don't, there's not going to be any more loans going forward until God knows when. And so Shoot. I remember like sweating, okay, mm-hmm. two months post-surgery. I'm in, in my warehouse doing the job of like 15 people trying to mail out all of these orders online. And I'm like, this could be the end of the world. We all thought it was the end of the world. I'm trying to ship out makeup. And and do I spend a million dollars plus, you know, renovations on this second location? I mean, if I build it, will they come? I don't know. And so I went ahead and risked it for the biscuit and did it and it worked. And so now that, that uh, location is equally as successful as the Houston central one. So I'm glad that I did, but I remember that being a very, very stressful time on whether or not I should move forward with that. But I, Said if, if we all die, if we're going to die, we're all going to die. So it doesn't matter. So for sure. And it's so we were actually building this building during COVID. I remember not having enough contractors. I was just about to say that finding it contractors was is hard. Horrific. I remember sitting down and telling Jose, you're going to have to get a job at Amazon because <laughs> what are we going to do? Still, they're still shipping. We, he could have come got a job at JKC. There you go. <laughs> you know, he could have helped you in your warehouse. I didn't know what was happening. I, right when that was happening, everybody was trying to close on their houses. Mm-hmm. I had a $7 million deal and the buyers were crying because they were about to be homeless. Obviously, they're buying a $7 million house. I uh-huh. would have found them found them a place to live, but it was just such a scary moment because like you said, the world was shutting down Mm -hmm. and what do you do? So did you have a lot of loans not go through because they just stopped funding at that point? We did have a few. We did have a few, which was very, very scary. Even with this one, I mean, our, this was also an SBA loan Mm -hmm. and we didn't know what was going to happen. And it was sort of like, okay, construction's not going to stop. You know, yes, we're going to shut down for a little bit, but then we're going to have to pick back up and convincing not only to get our contractors to come back, but mm-hmm. also to get the bank to continue to fund on our construction loan was like, holy shit, like, is this really going to happen? And we did it. I mean, Jose, thank God he has a commercial construction background mm-hmm. and, you know, he had his commercial construction company prior mm-hmm. to Nan. So he was the contractor on here because we just could not find anyone. And he took out, we call him Uncle Roosevelt, out of retirement to come help him finish the building. Oh, wow. It was like a holy moly moment. Well, I was scared to hire anyone. I mean, I was scared to have anybody come in. Right. Because I was like, if I had people come to work, there was some guy in Houston that owned a machine shop or something that got arrested for making his employees come to work. I was like, I'll just do it all myself. That's what Jose so, did as well. Yeah, and sometimes you just got to pick up a hammer, you know. Scary sometimes times. you got to pick up a package when you can't lift it for five pounds because you just had plastic surgery. And your wow. whole body was cut into little shreds and put back together. Oh, I was like Frankenstein goodness. trying to deliver, not deliver, but pick up these packages. And thank God the post guy would knock on the door every day <laughs> around 4.30. And I would have all the boxes set by the back. I would literally have to take one box at a time and put it in those UPS bins. And he would walk down the stairs in the basement and lift them up for me. And I mean, every time that I tried to pick something up, you know, if you've ever had plastic surgery, the nerve endings start reconnecting at about that time. So you would get these weird chills through your entire body of like zingers, they call them, every time you pick something up. So glad I'm past that. I feel like I'm mentally tortured from those two months of being in the warehouse, but it was it all was worth it. Definitely worth that. Power of social media. I know you touched on this and how it helped mm-hmm. kind of kick off your business and with your event that you had 200 people show up. How has social media helped you today? I absolutely would not be here if it wasn't for social media. 
Absolutely. I mean, you can't get the word of mouth like you can in social media and get in the homes and everybody's phone or computer. Um, like I said, when I first launched it, 200 people showed up because of my Facebook business page post. Mm-hmm. Now, like yesterday, uh, we restock an item and we sell out. I, can't, I couldn't do that if I was you know, relying on walk-in traffic. Um, but the hard part is how much it's changed. I feel like rewind back to eight years ago, three years into my business. I was so good and I was so ahead of the game. Nobody was posting videos back then. I was posting funny little, you know, skits and things before reels were a thing, before TikTok was a thing. And I feel like I lost traction for a long time. And I think some of it was just during COVID, just trying to keep my pants on mm-hmm. <laughs> through the, the two years and keep up with everything. And everything changed so fast during and after COVID. Now I'm in my 40s. I can't keep up like the young kids do. And Tell now I'm it. having to like, delegate even more than I've ever delegated in my team before to try to take more things off of my plate that people can do without me. And there's a lot of things that people can't do like I can do. So having to reinvent the wheel on how social media works um, to try to stay ahead of the game or at least with the game, you know, to continue this because social media won't be forever. Right. Something else new will come along. Something else new will come along. That's absolutely true. So I'm trying to get back on the train, you know, stay ahead of everything and it has been so powerful for my brand and it can be, I can get to the hundred million dollar a year status, Mm -hmm. but I have to take out all the noise of the stuff that I don't need to be doing and trust that my team's going to do it. Maybe they don't do it the same way as me. Maybe they're going to mess up and fall on their face, but that's okay. But that's always been hard for me because my, my brand is my name. It's a reflection of me just like yours. Right. And so when you turn too many things over too fast and they don't do it the same way you were, you, you can dilute your brand. Right. And I've always compared myself to the Chick-fil-A of cosmetics. Mm-hmm. You don't have to check your bag when you leave. You know your nuggets are going to be right. Right. And it, that's the hardest part for me. But I've really learned. And when I let off that, like two or three months ago, I've really started to push those things away. My numbers are improving. This was the first year we ever run a decrease ever in company history. I've always run increases, sometimes of seven, 800% to last year. I was like, what's different about this year? I wasn't staying on top of my social media. Remember how I told you I backed off due to Mm -hmm. a comment that someone made to me? Basically, someone said that I was embarrassing them on social media by being too raw, too honest, and that I was a reflection of them. And that was someone I cared about. And so it hurt me. And I'm like, I don't want to embarrass anyone else because I'm being too much. Sometimes people don't realize when you're too much. I've I've always been pretty good about seeing myself as others perceive me and making changes I'm very self-aware like that, but I was not self-aware that I was being too much in this person's eyes. So I pulled back. Mm -hmm. And when I feel like Mm -hmm. someone's judging me, I shut off. Really? But I I used to not be that way. And I think part of it had to do with getting COVID. Okay. When I went, I had a very severe case of of Delta, the Delta one. Did you really? And when I went to the hospital, um, River Oaks Emergency Care or whatever, not the real hospital. I live in that place. <laughs> she's great. If you're going to go there, she's the girl you yes, want to go see. she's going to fix you and tell <laughs> and, you. And so she was really honest with me. She's like, have you ever struggled with depression? I'm like, no, not really. And she goes, well, strap up because you're about to because the version that you have swells the in one nerve and it causes this, this, and this. And you'll be really battling depression after that. And sure enough, it was like Sean and I both at the same time had it. Wow. First of all, I never felt so dumb in my entire life. I feel really stupid. This is what dumb people feel like because I feel really stupid right now. When I, you know, was feeling bad after three weeks, the depression kind of came. And then that comment kind of came around the same time. And I think it was just like a a double whammy. And then I just felt like I couldn't be authentic anymore. I felt like I was being judged or is this, is this too much, whatever I'm saying. So I totally stopped posting on social media. I quit doing stories like I used to. And I I could see the numbers. The month that I got COVID, we 
normally do about $400,000 in September. We did like 150,000 that month. So wow. that just goes to show if I'm not posting, I'm not in people's faces. The power we of don't social make, media. Yeah. I mean, that's like a $250,000 loss because I couldn't get in front of the camera anymore. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while to build myself back up and I'm not a hundred percent back to where I used to be. And I still get comments on social media. Go back to your crazy self, be how you used to be. Customers still say that to me every week. I get one of those sometimes wow. multiples a week. So I'm trying. We're trying, sure. but that's definitely been a struggle for me. It's so nice to hear how, you know, you're perceived, and not that you're perceived, obviously. I mean, I know you, you're a badass, you know, you own real estate, you're investing, you own your own company, an amazing company. But to hear you say that you still, you know, your feelings were hurt. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for others to hear that because sometimes I, and even for myself, people think, well, you don't have a heart. Well, you don't have feelings. You're going to be okay. Mine's black. You know, my, my I get that. My heart is black. All... My soul is black. But so, we still have feelings. Deep. Yes. They're very deep. They're in there somewhere. And I get that joke a lot where, you know, with my husband or my sisters mm -hmm. or even my mom will say this to me. She's mm -hmm. like, well, Nancy, if you had a heart or if you had feelings, they would be hurt. This is what I kind of think about that. I think we do have feelings. They may be deep down, but that's what makes us resilient mm -hmm. is because we don't get too much emotion involved in life. I also think it has to do with brain bandwidth and capacity. My friend said to me the other day, she's like, I really like how you're like, you know, thinking more of other people now. I had like a little girl's trip. We went to the Post Oak Hotel. I'd won something at an auction. I took care of them the whole weekend and didn't have my phone on me. They're like, you're a whole different person now. You were able to turn off of work. But before, and it's still now, I only have so much capacity in my, in my brain. I can't be 110% at work if I'm caring about everyone's feelings and all the things that are going on in their own life. I have my own things in my own life that I can't tend to because I'm trying to do the best that I can with work. That's right? a perfect way but to put it. But some people may look at that as being selfish, mm -hmm. right? Because you're only thinking of you. I don't have 250 gigabytes of space. I have four. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have space in my brain to do everything. I wish I did. wish I could buy more memory. I cannot. And some people, it's a misconception that we don't have feelings or we don't care about other people. No, that's not the case. Right. We do have emotion maybe less than other people, or we manage it better. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what makes us successful is that we can do that normally. I mean, one person's comment, we don't let that affect us and what our future is going to look like right. with our brands. No, for sure. If I listen to every comment, you know, I stop reading the comments. That's always my advice to everyone. Don't mm -hmm. even read the comments. I read know? that from the Kardashians too. But, you know, I love, I love and look up to the Kardashians. A lot of people hate them, but I think that they're amazing. And I think what Chris has I done love for her family is amazing. I love it I too. I think they are Haters going to hate. Trolls going to troll. They you are. Know? But at the end of the day, when you listen to them, it affects them too. You know, for they sure. try not to read it too. And I'm sure they have assistants that probably read most of their stuff or delete the bad stuff. But you still read it. You still, stuff still punches you in the face, especially when, you know, a book that I wrote, the title of my book was so offensive for 2015. I can't even imagine if I named it that today. I really let people's opinions of my book title, which was like an off the cuff, funny title. I really let those comments like affect me, but I just really don't care anymore. What Sean says, because he's so good at not having any emotion whatsoever. He's like, you know what? They're still buying your shit. I love that. And all those customers. You need to put that on a t-shirt. They're still buying your shit. Can he's we like, yeah. please get her a t-shirt like, still. That? He's like, they're still following you. They read your yeah. shit because they're following you. Who gives mm -hmm. a fuck? He's like, mm -hmm. let the market, he always says, let the market speak for itself. Mm -hmm. They're buying your shit, aren't they? And I, you know, I'm a female, right? He's male. He's really good at turning off his emotion. I think men are better at this than women. They are be. definitely better. Um, but I've definitely made huge leaps and bounds of improvement from where I was. And I don't let those negative comments affect me as much. But 
the part that still gets me today is whenever we have a big sale, like our anniversary sale, all those haters that I got in Facebook and Instagram fights with, right, mm-hmm. that I went too far with, right. they're still buying my shit. Some of them under different names. Wow. And they don't realize that when they put their shipping address on there, even if they place their order under a false name, it still comes through as their actual name from that very first purchase. So what I did, because I'm petty as shit, I made a little <laughs> pile, right, of all the, the people that hated on me. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to ship their orders last. Wow. So I shipped everything else same day, except for that very last pile. It took them two weeks to get their stuff. I had to, you know, contemplate whether or not I wanted to refund their orders and say, sorry, bitch, I told you you couldn't shop here anymore. <laughs> hey, but let them. I love Sean that. goes and I asked Sean, I was like, should I refund all these people that I told them we weren't allowed to shop here anymore? Because I'm not afraid to tell a, a, a Karen, you know, that you can't shop here anymore, you know? Right. But um, about, I would say probably like six to eight of them did. And I'm like dying laughing. I'm like, are you serious? One of them had made a comment on social media to Laura Goodson. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. She's one that can't paints those black and white cowboys. Okay. Megan's girlfriend. Megan okay. Pastor. Yes, yes, yes. So um, this is one lady. She had several different accounts under mm-hmm. different names and, I thought it was different people sending me weird shit in my mm-hmm. DMs. Like, do you not have any other furniture in your house? Why don't you ever get off that couch? Or saying stuff like, is that all you could donate to charity? Like comments like that. And I've been for the past, I don't know, four or five years doing like little things where I have like a, a certain set where I donate a percent back or a dollar back. Mm-hmm. I've been in retail for a long time. For breast cancer awareness, Estee Lauder, one of the biggest cosmetic companies in the world, gives a dollar back. Right. For any kind of set or promo they do. I was giving $5 back per set, okay? Mm-hmm. So still way better than right. what a lot of other companies in the cosmetics But it doesn't do, matter right? what you do because you're going to get judged. Yes. And she inboxed Laura Goodson. She knew that we were friends because she saw my cowboy paintings on the wall. And she said, what do you think about these Texas millionaires only giving $3,000 to hungry kids? I was like, are you serious? So then it instantly made me feel like, was it not enough? I mean, I did what I said I was going to do. I wrote him a check. But I don't like to... You know, when people, you know, want to give their opinion about stuff like that. I'm like, what did you do? Right. Let me do what Mm -hmm. I want to do and worry about you. And come to find out, I called her out. I was like, you have like five different social media pages, don't you? I can tell by the writing style, it's you. And she's like, well, you keep blocking me, so I keep having to make a new page. Oh, what's your fault then, Gentry? (laughs) We haven't even got into like working moms yet. Yep. For sure. That's a whole other story. That's what I get Working moms is, I was just going to tell you on that one, just get a good nanny or two or three. Oh, I do. I couldn't do it. Oh, I couldn't either. Never be a stay-at-home mom. It's not for me. Three weeks of breastfeeding and trying to stay home. I was like, get me out of here now. (laughs) It didn't work. No, it's definitely, you know, I have a badass team. I always say that. From husband, Jose is the most patient person in the world. To You and I need that. Everyone. I always always say with Sean, if if Sean would have married me, nobody else would have. Yes. (laughs) I'm so lucky to have him like that. Totally my biggest supporter. And he's also super successful and has more businesses than I have. And he mm-hmm. still manages those and kind of helps look over mine and give me advice. But, yeah, he helps to manage the kid and the house and the nannies and all that, too. That's so it does amazing. take a team. For sure. It does. I, I could never do it without Jose, for sure. I always tell him if I run away to my mom's house, I'm leaving. I'm taking the dog, and that's it. <laughs> Ella, leaving the kids. Well, Gentry, thank you so much for being here. We definitely need to do a part two, guys, because, like I said, we could talk for hours and probably days about our journeys yep. and work and I admire everything you've done seriously it's amazing and I don't know 
you know, whoever wrote that comment about you, but mm-hmm. I can tell you that I think you're a badass and that other women look up to you and how transparent and honest you are and what you've made of yourself, you know, all by yourself, even though your husband's supportive. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like you got up and said, yeah. I'm going to do this. I didn't want to take a handout from anyone because okay. I didn't want to be in a situation like my mom was with my dad. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to rely on anyone else. I did it myself. And I've read comments before. People have said things like, oh, Sean funded her business or whatever. Actually, no, he didn't. American Express did, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, American Express. <laughs> thank yep. you for your support. Yep. But oh, yeah, he's, he's always been great and, you know, a good listening ear. He started his businesses like five, ten years before me, so he's a lot more experienced. He's a lot further in business than I am. But he's really good at, at keeping the emotion out of it. So I guess that's the best piece of advice I could give to anyone who owns a business is don't mix friendships and business and keep the emotion out of it. I wish someone would have taught me that a long time ago. And I it's learned still, that the hard way. It's easier said than done, and you want people that you love, you know, to be on the journey with you, right. but you have to keep that separate. And I think doing that and nipping things when they need to be nipped and not holding on to things because you're emotionally attached for whatever reason for too long is very important. If you want to excel, you can't have anyone that's bringing you down. You can't have any cancers in the building. As we always say, someone turns cancerous, you get out because you spread. Amen to that. <laughs> Everyone be sure to follow Gentry on Instagram at Gentry Kelly cosmetics. And you can follow me on Instagram at Nancy underscore a motivar so much.